Welcome to the Campus Rush Podcast. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the series in his hands to remind us that God is always in control. We hope that you enjoy this message. I'm going to start my series for the next four, three or four weeks, depending on how God would lead us, entitled In His Hands. We're going to look at this topic of In His Hands. In His Hands. Come on, somebody say that. Say, In His Hands. Say, I am in his hands. Oh, my gosh. I feel the anointing on this series. It's going to, oh, man, I have the bishop, the archbishop in the house cheering me on. It's going to be a good Thursday. I feel it already. But I'm going to preach a sermon today or deliver a message, however you will, entitled Killing the Comfort Zone. All right? Killing the Comfort Zone. Anybody ready? I grew up in Toronto. Torontonians. Tita! The six! I grew up in the six. Hey, listen, the six ain't friendly. I grew up in the six. And um, someone said, I know, I know. I've been there. I saw the CN Tower. I've been there. I asked somebody for directions. They just looked at me and said, Sucker, you should know where you're going. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know where that U.S. accent came, but whatever. So, um, I grew up in Toronto, a neighborhood of Toronto, a suburb called Etobicoke, also known as Rexdale. Rex in the building. Grew up on Kipling and Steels. Oh, people, people from Kip Strip? All right, all right, all right, all right, Kipling in the building. All right, all right, 2777, all right, I see you. I grew up in the ghetto of ghettos, but God has brought us to a wealthy land. Amen. Hey, listen, Ottawa was a promotion from where we were. God has elevated us. I love Toronto, but Ottawa has been good to us. Um, So I grew up in in Toronto, and uh, there's this thing in my neighborhood. I grew up in this neighborhood, and we had, like, this community center in our neighborhood. And I had a lot, I have a lot of older cousins. Uh, My grandpa had four wives. It's a long story. Four wives, you know, back there in Africa. It's a lot, you know, it's a lot, big family. I have a very, very large family. And so at one point in our lives, we used to live with my uncle, and my uncle Stephen and his children. And I had this older cousin, and this older cousin would always tell me to like do the craziest things. Like he would be the one to be like on the busiest road of steels. He'd be like, let's cross the road. Like, you know what I mean? Let's let's risk our lives, you know? So I'm like, all right. So I'm like six years old and we're crossing the road, like, you know, going to the barber shop to beg my uncle for like three dollars so we can go to barbecue city around the corner. Anyways, so uh, this crazy story. So my cousin essentially would just let us do the craziest thing. So one time. My cousin's like, ah, it's hot outside. Let's rollerblade and go to the swimming pool, all right, in the neighborhood. And, you know, I lived on Beulah Street. I'm giving out too much information, but whatever. So <laughs> this is my address. So I lived on the street, and so we went all the way down to the swimming pool, and we got to the swimming pool. And now this is where the story gets interesting. My cousin knows how to swim, but I don't. I, I have this, this, this thing. See, the way my arms work with my legs the way my body is set up is that the moment I enter the water, my mind wants to float, but my body says, uh-uh, this is not you. This ain't you. This ain't you. This ain't you. <laughs> so this is what happens. So I get to the swimming pool. I'm like six years old. I think my brother's there. My brother's ambitious. He's adventurous, so he's all for it. So the three of us, we're going. We get to the swimming pool. My cousin jumps into the pool, and... I'm on the ledge of the pool, 
And it's, I don't know if it's the deep end or the shallow end, but when you're six years old, everything is deep. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's all deep. There's no shallow end. You're like four foot or shorter than that, like three something. So I'm there, and my cousin's like, Kof, jump into the pool. Jump into the pool. Come on, jump. And so I, I, I stand on the ledge like this. I put one leg in. I put one foot in. My brother's standing behind me. He's like, Kof, come on, jump, jump, jump. I'm standing there. And right before I'm about to jump into the pool, something just tells me, don't go. And so I'm trying to jump into the pool. It's like my body wants to, everything wants to, but my mind is like on the ledge. My body's in the pool. That's this, this thing that's going on. And so I'm trying to get into the pool. I'm trying to get into the pool. I'm trying to get into the pool. And the worst thing about it is that my cousin's in the pool doing like backflips. He's doing like, he's swimming under the water. He's diving. You know, he has a snorkel coming up. He's like, come on, go for like, it's so fun. So the hard part about it is that he's having a blast. And I'm on the ledge like, oh, my gosh. Now, I learned one thing from this. I learned that, listen, that sometimes if you don't take that step, you'll be losing out on opportunities. That's all I learned from this situation, that you'll miss opportunities and sometimes even opportunities that are fun. And so I'm there on the ledge. I'm trying to get into this pool. But fear won't allow me to get to a place that I thought would be fun. Now, upon this scripture, God wants me to tell somebody in this room that if you want to be used of God, you have to understand that there will come a point in time where you have to leave your level of comfort. You have to. You must leave a level of comfort. What you think is comfortable to you, I tell you, once you get into a different realm, what you look back, you'll be like, how did I even struggle with jumping from that ledge when coming to this pool wasn't as bad as I thought? Because you begin to learn new adventures. You begin to have new opportunities. You begin to meet new people, do different things. If you just broke out of the zone of comfort. Do I have anybody in this room that says, I, 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 all my job is today is to irritate you to the point where you want to break out of the, the comfort zone. You know why? Because, listen, there is other things on the other side. There is, there is breakthroughs on the other side. But the only thing separating you from your breakthrough is yourself. Fear is the only thing. Now, I could have, you know, been on the ledge. And let me tell you something. If, 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 and sometimes you do need somebody to push you. But if my brother pushed me, guaranteed I would have drowned. Because nor, I wasn't even mentally prepared. I was, and nothing was right. If he pushed me, I probably would have died. Like, literally, I would have died. But the fact that it was on me and I could make that decision as to say, do I want to go in? Do I want to take that chance? Do I want to stay on the ledge? That in and of itself puts me in control of my next level. Because that's on me, not on anybody else. So if I go in, I know that God brought me here by speaking to me to do this thing. Nobody pushed me to this level. God brought me to this level. Therefore, nobody else can take the glory for your elevation. Is this too deep or can we go deep? I know new people, you're here, but come on, man. It's Thursday. You know, I spent the first two weeks just being shallow. I'm about to go deep in. Are you ready? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. All right. And so the one thing we learn from this is, is that comfort and stepping outside the comfort zone is the separation point between prophecy and reality. Breaking out of your comfort zone is the separation point. It's what, that's the only thing that separates the words that have been spoken over your life to actually seeing the manifestation and the fruition of your life. It's just being able to step off the ledge. Break out of your comfort zone. Do something. Even if you perish, at least you made a decision. Do you know how bad it is to live your life full of regrets? Thinking that, man, I could have done this. I could have been that. I could have done that. Why don't you just do it? All right, so we're here in, in, in Genesis 
Genesis 12, 1, and we find the scripture of this man in the Bible named Abraham. I'm just at the foundation of this, of this sermon, of this series. I probably won't even get to the, to the introduction of it. I just want to prepare you for the next four weeks. And we find this, this man by the Bible, his name is Abraham, and this is what happens to Abraham. God speaks to Abraham and he says, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing unto others. Someone can receive that. You'll be a blessing, a blessing, a blessing, a blessing. You know what a blessing is? A blessing is you have been blessed and you have access. <laughs> it means you've been blessed and you have so much abundance of blessings that you can give to others. Like you just give to your friends, give to your family, give to people around you. That is my testimony. That's what I want to be. It says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with content. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Ah, somebody's tapped in. Somebody's tapped in. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Interesting thing. I'm about to go deep into theology for about two minutes and I'll pull right out. The interesting thing about the scripture is that it refers to Abraham as we know him as Abram. Which means that when he was at his mother's house, his father's house, he could not see the potential that was on the inside of him to be the father of many nations. Because the Bible says that that prophecy and that word came about once he took the step of faith to leave and step off the ledge, if you will. So the only time that his name changed from Abraham to Abraham was when he got closer to what God needed him to be. There's some changes in your life that will only occur once you step out of the comfort zone. There's some things in your life, there's some things that God wants to call you by that you have not yet realized. There's some names and some blessings. Listen, God wants to look at you and say, you are my millionaire. But if you keep struggling with your tithe, how can he consider you his millionaire? He cannot consider you as Abraham if you never depart as Abraham. If you never leave as Abraham, you will never know that there's an addition to your name and it's three letters. I see somebody receiving a triple blessing right now in this atmosphere. Come on, I see somebody receiving a triple blessing. I didn't say one, I didn't say two, I said three. I think I'm preaching, I don't know if you're here. I see somebody receiving a triple blessing in this place. You'll be blessed not times one, not times two, but times three. Jesus' name, shout a loud amen in this place. As you have your seats. Oh my God, oh my God. Listen to me, the reason why many times the, the, the challenge with us young people is not in hearing God, I always say it, but it's in the obedience of it. It's not in hearing God. We can hear God all day. Have you ever been to that point in your life where you're, maybe you wake up in the morning and you feel as though uh, maybe as little as this, I should eat this, but then you have just a feeling of I'm going to eat this and then you're trying to conflict between that. That's two voices right there. That's your voice, that's God's voice, and there's the enemy's voice. If you add it, there could even be an external voice through the enemy or through God, depending on what you want to look at it. And many times we fight with our, our ability to hear God. But young people, we have the ability. We've always heard God. We've always heard it, but we've just never known it. You've heard God. You've been hearing God. You wake up in the morning, you put on something, you're like, eh, no, I don't feel like I should wear this today. Don't you know that even your outfit, somebody, your answer to somebody's blessing, like your outfit is an answer to somebody's prophecy. Do you not know that? Because maybe in a dream somewhere, just like Ananias, God spoke to him and said, you will find this man, Paul. His name is Saul, but I'm making him Paul. He will be in the straight house, on the straight road, in the straight building. He will be specifically there. What if God had not spoken into details? Some of you think God is not interested in the details. Listen to me. He's more interested in the details than you can comprehend. <laughs> 
He's more interested in the fact that you're dressing this way because he knows that he's told somebody, on this road, on this day, you will see somebody wearing this hat with this thing. You think God is not interested in your minute details? You think God's not interested in your bank balance? Oh, man. I have somebody back there who's preaching with me. May God bless you and elevate you. You think God's not interested in your careers? Why would he call men to work? <laughs> Why would he call it? The Bible says that he gave man something to do and then he brought the women to be the helpmate of the vision that man already had. I'm not getting into that tonight, but all I'm to say is this, that God gives a vision to somebody and says, steward the vision that I've given you. A vision is the same thing as a career. I've called you to cultivate the land. Therefore, I've called you to be an economist. Uh, I've called you to be somebody who's into agriculture. I've called you to be a policy analyst. Everything I'm calling in the careers that you are is just to cultivate the land I've already placed in your hands. Every career and every job that we have on this earth is just simply to steward the creation that God has placed in our hands. Oh my God, y'all ain't getting this tonight. Y'all ain't getting this tonight. And so, oh, please be seated. Oh my God, are you receiving this word? Are you sure you're receiving it? Therefore, We've always had the ability to hear God, but it's this fight uh, to hear the voice, to obey the voice of God, not just to hear it, but to obey the voice of God. All right. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. Therefore, we have a higher calling to obedience to understand that God, if you've sent me somewhere, I am not to stay where you have me, but to go to a place I may not yet know where I'm going. I'm to take this step even though I can't see it. I'm to take that step. Therefore, the enemy does this one thing. He loves to fight revelation. Okay? The devil. Someone say the devil. Someone say the enemy. He hates when you receive revelation like this. Because the entrance of the word of God brings light to darkness. Therefore, it means that whatever state in your life that was dark, the moment you receive revelation, what is revelation? It's information. The only difference between you and Bill Gates or you and somebody else is information. They knew something you did not know. So when you receive revelation through via information, it changes the way that you live your life. Therefore, it exposes the plans of the enemy. That means that before you were born again, you were living your life, but then you came into contact with revelation or information. Information then transformed your life, changed your life, and you began to live your life in a certain way as a believer. Believer of what? The promises of God. Believer of what? The mandates of God. Believer of what? The things that God has promised to you. Believer of the revelation, the information. That's why the Bible would say, I feel like I'm preaching the whole Bible today. That's why the Bible would say to Peter that flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this revelation of who I am to you. Because of revelation, you will be elevated. I will build my church upon you. That's because of revelation. So the enemy always wants to fight your revelation, which is your information, your knowledge, your ability to learn. Let me break it down to school. If you're, if you're, if you're studying for an exam, and you're studying, you're studying, you're studying, you're studying, you're studying. The only difference between you and somebody who does extremely well is their time that they had to internalize the information. The moment they receive the information and they're able to internalize it, when they get to the exam, what is exam? Just a simply regurgitating the information that you've taken in, you're now bringing out. Therefore, that's the only difference between you and somebody who's successful. But I think I'm looking, I think I believe that I'm looking at people who are receiving revelation that's going to transform their life. 
I see my friend Sinit here tonight. It's so good to see you. I'm so sorry I broke from the word. Come on, stand up and let's just welcome her. She came all the way from Germany. All the way from Germany tonight. We'll welcome you at the end of the service. I just saw her. All right. And so the enemy fights your revelation. Therefore, when you're on this ledge, there's something you do not yet know. But God has at least, at least said, listen, take this step and then I will tell you what it's all about. Abraham, you're going to be a father of many nations. Did he, men did he mention, I'm going to make you a father of many nations when he was about to leave? No. He just said, go, for I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. I will give you blessings. People in houses will know about you. But he did not yet give him the title of Abraham. The title comes with obedience. That's why when you begin to do the work of a pastor, we call you, that's a pastor, before even you're awarded the title. Because with obedience comes titles. Oh, I'm preaching tonight, man. Yeah, yo, I'm preaching myself happy tonight. Listen to me. The best thing, I'm not going through anything, eh, okay? But the best thing to do when you're going through something is to swing your gift at the enemy to say, you think you have me. Sometimes I give, I, sometimes I tell God, I always give my 100%, but I said, God, tonight, take me to 150, just so that I can prove to the enemy, and I could swing my gift in his hand to say, listen, you think you know me, you think you have me, this is the gift that God wants to do in my life. If I'm going through something, all I have to do is take my gloves out, take my gift of the revelation, which is the word of God, and say, God, take me deeper in the revelation tonight. All right. I have to bring this to a close. I said 20 minutes. It's 15 already. You have five minutes left. So you look at the story of Abraham. My God. And so that was number one. Anyone who wants to do something for God has to know when to leave your comfort zone and pursue God. Because breaking the comfort zone is the separation between prophecy and reality. Divinity and humanity. All right. That is number one. Number two, don't get mad when people or situations make you uncomfortable. It's a sign. Someone say, it's a sign. Are you with me? Say, it's a sign. Listen, don't get cheesed when people are just making you uncomfortable. This guy's making me uncomfortable. Like, situation, I just feel so uncomfortable. The reason why you feel uncomfortable is because your spirit is trying to communicate to your mind that, listen, this is not a difficulty but an opportunity for God to reveal himself through you so that you can realize that where you are is not where you're supposed to be. They didn't get that, Apostle. If you are uncomfortable, don't get cheesed. It's a sign. It means that where you are, your, your feathers are being ruffled. Where you are, don't you know that when the bird is getting ready to fly, the mother has to make sure the nest is uncomfortable. Listen, I'm not a conventional preacher. I preach like, oh, whatever, okay, all right. Whatever, I love y'all. You still love me? Even if you don't love me, it's too late. I'm so in love with this church and you guys. I'm so in love with y'all. And so, I love you. I love you, apostle. And <laughs> I told you, man, unusual anointing tonight when the apostle's in the house. And so, when the, the mother uh, is getting ready to make sure that her birds, her, her, her children can fly and leave the home, for the years that she's with them, for the months that they're in her nest, she makes sure that they're uncomfortable. They make sure that when she's flying with them, that they're on her back, that every time she's with them, that is your level of comfort. You're comforted in the fact that it doesn't matter where I go, I always have somebody that's with me. Yes, that's true in some part, but then it comes a time. Someone said there was a time. There is a time and many times that that is the sign that people don't get. 
my nest is being ruffled right now. How come the things that were always comfortable are now uncomfortable? How come the people I've always been hanging out with are now cheesing me? How come my job that I used to love is now pissing me off? How come my professor that I used to like is now cheesing me? Why? It's because of that level where you are, God is trying to tell you, you're in the next. Begin to fly. You're in the nest. Begin to fly. Don't depend on the wings of the mother, the wings of the father. The Bible, not the Bible, the information says this, that they even take the cub, they even take the baby on their back, and then at a certain point, they just drop them. Okay, you've been in my, you've been in my nest for so long. You've seen me this, do this so many times, so now begin to do it. You've seen me do it, so do it. You've seen me do it, so do it. Very soon you'll see God is going to begin to send many of you guys around this world because you've seen me do it. Begin to do it. You'll wake up one day, you'll get a text message from me saying, I'm sending you to, to Antarctica. <laughs> oh, you won't go. You won't go. Please be seated. <laughs> you'll get a text message. I'm sending you to Russia. I'm saying... Hey, I'm sending you to South Africa. I'm sending you, and now people are excited. Send me to Africa. Send me to, I'm sending you to Jamaica. Oh, yeah, everybody's happy. Somebody says, send me. Alan, you'll go. Al, you'll go. I'll send you. <laughs> people are going to begin to set by because you have seen the way by the grace of God, the grace has been working through me. Now God is saying, you have received so much. Many of you guys are just overweight in the spirit, sitting down. <laughs> oh, just in the spirit. You've eaten so much. Ah, why did he say? Advanced, advanced English. Now, it's time for you to go to a place, go to a land that you may not know. Step off of the ledge and enter into a place you may not know where you're going. You may not know how to do it. It may be in life. It may be in ministry. It may be whatever it is. You don't know how you're going to do it. But God is saying, take this step and then I will speak. Take this step and I will speak. Do it and then you will hear my voice. Abraham. I want to make you Abraham, but I can't tell you now because if I tell you everything now, you will do it with everything in you. But there needs to be some internal battle on the inside. There needs to be some ruffling of the nest. There needs to be something in the inside of you that is saying, no, your man in you has to fight the God in you. There I feel like my pops right now. There has to be this internal battle on you. It's a dichotomy of your, of your destiny. There has to be the internal dichotomy of the sovereignty in you, of, of, the, of the divinity on the inside of you, fighting the humanity in you. I want to be used of God, but I still, I still smoke. I, I'm trying. I'm trying. Not me. I'm you. My pastor still, still, you know. Somebody say the grace. Say the grace. God's grace is just sufficient for all of us. Come on, let's give God a hand for his grace. Come on. The divinity in you fights the humanity in you. So there is this constant battle. I think before I did, and I shared this some time ago, and I spoke about the man of God. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember that? I spoke about the dichotomy of divinity and humanity. And I said that you are a man, but there is a God that wants to enter the of of you. So that's why you're a man of God. You are first a man, and then you have divinity on the inside of you. Therefore, as my father would say, you have the grace, but the grace is wrapped with under and around the man. 
And so that's why whatever anointing, whatever future that's going to be on the outside of you displayed to the world will come through a vessel like me. That's why at some times the word of God is so pure, it's so genuine, but then God would wrap around the word of God my personality. He will wrap around the word of God all of my downfalls and all of my mistakes. So you realize that I'm not an angel that fell from heaven. But I'm a man just like you. I have problems just like you. I have struggles just like you. But then the grace in me overweights and overlooks my humanity in me to allow the word of God to shine through me to bless you. Okay. All right. So if you didn't get that point, all I was trying to say is... I went into theology. I'm, I'm studying my master's in theology. I have like a couple courses left. Praise God. Praise God. And, and um, I'm a clinical social worker, so that's what I do for a living uh, aside, aside my full-time ministry. And I'm in this school, and it's so difficult now, guys, because this is what I'm experiencing. I, I read the Word of God, but then I have to read the Word of God also for school. So what's happening is that I have to take the Word of God, and my sources, your sources are like, you know, whoever. My sources are like the Word of God. So writing a paper based off of the Word of God, you're looking at the Trinity, and you have, to, you have to fight the reason why people don't think the Trinity is real. It's just like a whole lot of stuff. But I'm realizing that it's becoming increasingly more difficult to be able to communicate the Word of God at a simplistic level without diving too deep into theology. But then again, that's the dichotomy of the man of God, right? Anyways, so that's just a sidebar. That's the man part of the God part coming out, right? And so, Jonah 1, 1 13. Let me read this scripture and then I'm going to conclude tonight. I didn't even have time to introduce this topic. We were just having too much fun tonight. Jonah 1, 1 to 13. We looked at the story of an individual who looked at everything. Because I can just imagine Abraham, before we go, I can't just get past him. I can just imagine Abraham and God is telling him to go, jump off the ledge into the pool. And his dad is like, what are you doing? His mom is like, what are you doing? Everybody around him is like, you're 75 though. <laughs> what are you doing? You're 75. Everybody's looking at him like, how can you go to a land you don't know? Does that make sense? Leave where you know and go to a place I haven't shown you, but I will show you. Just keep walking. I will show you. Just keep going. I will show you. Just keep going and walking in the darkness. I will reveal my light. Just keep going. Because I've given you a word, and the word is light. So just keep going. And whatever darkness you're in, just remember the word that I've told you. And that word will begin to illuminate the darkness you're in. Just keep walking. And so we look at the story of a, of a servant of God who obeyed the voice of God. And then we find the story of this servant of God, a prophet, who thought that he could play God a little bit. He thought that he could just run away from God. He thought that by running away from God, that would make the situation better, but it actually made it worse. Let me read this, and then we're going to conclude. I didn't even get to introduce the topic. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce to my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. People know that Tarshish is an area of vacation. It's a vacation spot. So God is sending him to do ministry. And this guy is saying, forget about ministry. I want to go on a vacation. And so he bought a ticket. The man bought a ticket. Went on aboard hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. 
But the Lord hurled a, uh, hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. That is such a lie. <laughs> you can't possibly tell me that you're sleeping when there's a storm. You ain't Jesus. <laughs> there's a storm, and this man is in the bottom of the ship sleeping. Do you know how many times there's battles and there's struggles in our life and we just try to pretend ourselves, just try to go to bed, just we know the reason why the situation is the way it is, is because of us. But then we hear them talking about, how come this plate is the way it's, isn't this a plate supposed to be? Uh, your mom will be calling, hey, who ate the last? Uh, uh, <laughs> you heard what she said. She comes to hey, Kofi, Omar. You know, calls my name. You know, do, 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 opens my door. <sighs> she calls you. You know, you, you try to koala yourself. Mom, mom, yeah, mom. Mom, I'm sleeping. Mom, I'm sleeping. Nah, lie. You're not sleeping. You're not sleeping. You're not sleeping. You know the reason why the boat is being, uh, you know, a, a, a challenged is because of your decision of obedience. Whose boat is being shaken because of your disobedience? Think about it. Whose boat? Whose boat? Family members, friends. It used to be like this. How come it's not like this anymore? Because of your lack of obedience. That God will begin to create storms. Sometimes the storms you are in is not just because God wants it or the devil wants it. It's because you have not obeyed God. God says, come, I want to make a man of God out of you. I want to make a woman of God out of you. But your disobedience is causing storms in your life. The Bible says, I don't have time to go into all this. The Bible says that the moment that they discovered it was Jonah, by doing this, it says that they, they, they threw some few things. They threw like a dice and the dice rolled. And if you look into it, the Bible says that, that God supernaturally used that opportunity to locate Jonah. And as they located Jonah, they, they asked God, they said, God, we don't want to kill this man. We don't want to throw this man aboard the ship. And as they kept doing so, the more they, they wanted to save Jonah from it, the more the, the, the waves began to just crash on the boat. So they had to throw Jonah off the board into the water. Now, the Bible says that the moment they threw Jonah into the sea, the storm stopped. Somebody's storm is in their life because you're on their boat. I'm going through financial problems. I'm going through marital relational issues. I'm going to say marital ish. Jesus. <laughs> Today the anointing is from marriage. Receive it. You want to get married. <laughs> Receive. Hey. <laughs> Charlie, I did chill. Kai. Don't cry. Charlie. 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 It's hot. <laughs> Serious. Listen to me. You will see no wind. You will see no rain. <laughs> but your valley shall be filled. 
and nobody got that. You will see no wind, you will see no rain, but the valley shall be filled. Amen. And so, whose boat? I feel a comedic anointing tonight. <laughs> I feel like a, forgive me, man. I, I'm usually serious. I'm just, some days I just, <laughs> this is the real me. I just, I'm a joker. I'll be out of your way in five minutes. Five minutes. We're going to get serious here. Seriously, whose boat are you, are you ruffling because of your disobedience? God has called you. Go and do this one thing. You don't want to do the thing. So you go on a boat and you put others' destinies in jeopardy. Others' families in jeopardy because you don't want to obey God. God says, listen, stop what you're doing. Cut that thing off. Cut that guy off. Cut that situation off. Focus on me. I've sent you to Nineveh. Go and deliver the word of God. God, I can't do it. God, I don't want to. You know, I'm not going to argue with God. I'm just going to go and I'm going to buy my ticket and I'm going to run over to some place and I'm just going to try to get away from God as far as I can go. That's what I tried to do. I'm trying by grace. That's what I tried to do. But look how many lives God wanted to touch. I'm so convinced that if I hadn't said yes to God, in all humility, I don't know where your lives would have been. I don't know where my life would have been. But it pains me more to think of others' lives than myself. I, I'll, I would be okay. But what about Tiffany? What about Tian? What about David? What about Kizito? What about all of, every single person in this room? What if I decided to say, I heard God, but uh, this is one vision. Do you know that in this room are many visions? That means that there are many visions like this or different that God wants to birth out, but because of your disobedience, you won't see it because you decide to be comfortable. But today we are breaking the comfort zone comfort zone is breaking because there are more destinies that need to be touched more lives that need to be touched but we can't all do it by sitting right here God has to expand us three points for you before we go what are the advantages of killing the comfort zone number one you fulfill purpose you fulfill purpose I'm just giving you three takeaways then we're going to stand number one you fulfill purpose Number two, you spark a purpose in other people. By breaking out of the comfort zone, you spark purpose in other people. I looked at my cousin who was in the pool, and as much as I didn't want to jump into it, as I looked at how much fun he was having, how much freedom he was having in the pool, it kind of sparked something in me that I wanted to be there, but I just didn't know how to take that step. By him breaking out of his comfort zone, it sparked something in me to want to break out of mine. Number three, last point, and then we're going to stand. You get to know God in a brand new way. Every experience with God is different. The moment you break out of the comfort zone, it's a brand new way that you know God. God begins to speak to you. Just as the Bible said that as the children of Israel left 
Egypt to the land they did not yet know. As they begin to go, each step of the way, God begin to speak to them. They begin to see manna drop from heaven, the, the water gush out of a rock, and then they begin to see different things, supernatural things begin to happen as they got deeper into their purpose. The closer you get to the purpose, the more God reveals himself to you in a way you've never seen it. So God wants to reveal himself to you in a new way. Let's be on our feet this evening. Thank you, God. You break out of the comfort zone by obeying God's voice. You got to obey God's voice. You got to take solicited advice and wisdom from trusted elders. And you got to be bold. That's the way you break out of the comfort zone. You got to be bold. Someone say, I'm bold. Say, say like you are bold. Say, I'm bold. You want to break out? Break out. <laughs> you want to do it? Do it. You want to be a straight ace? Do it. Do it, because you have the ability. You want to be a business mogul? <laughs> you already are a business mogul. You see, that's the difference. That's the difference between the ledge and being in the pool. The people who are on the ledge already have allowed fear to keep them on the ledge. People who are standing on the ledge are the only people that realize this is a ledge. Other people who are in the pool just look at this ledge as a stepping stone. Stepping stone. You're going into the pool. I, I don't look at this as, I'm going in. Oh, oh, oh. I look at it as, oh. it's actually giving me more room to launch off from my destiny. It's giving you room. Be bold. Just do it. You want to do it? Do it. You want to be successful? You are successful. You have everything that you need. As the worship team comes to help us as we conclude the service, I'm going to read the anchor scripture for this series. And I'm going to start teaching within the series from next week. I just wanted to, to help you guys tonight. This is the anchor scripture of this series in his hands. It's Jeremiah 18 verses 1 to 4. It says, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the shop where clay pots and jars are made. I will speak to you while you are there. So I did as he told me and found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out the way that he had hoped. So the potter squashed the jar into a lump of clay and started all over again. Behold, I do a new thing in you. In his hands. It's a series for these next couple of weeks. You are in his hands. Come on, you're in his hands. Doesn't matter what your future looks like. Doesn't matter what your current state is like. You are in his hands. Thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush podcast. If you enjoyed this message and want to partner with us, visit us at www.campusrush.org to become a global partner or to partner with us in giving.